What's up, you guys? I'm your host, Michael Swoboda, and this is the Average Alaskan Podcast, the show where we cover the good, the bad, and the ugly of Alaskan outdoors and life here in the great state of Alaska. Like always, joined by the one, the only, Mr. Sean Love. Hey, what's up, guys? We got a special one for you guys. It's going to be near and dear to our hearts, y'all's hearts, because we're celebrating tonight. We are celebrating. <laughs> oh, another one. Because of you guys. Because of you guys, we've made it this far. It's been awesome. We are currently sitting in the future home of the podcast. Fuck yeah. Coming from you live in Anchor Point. <laughs> the great AP. A pizzle. The great Mike North, baby. At Mr. Sean Love's new property yeah. in his shop in the future studio of the Average Alaskan Podcast. So we figured no better way to do the first episode in the new home of the podcast than celebrate you guys because as soon as this airs, we'll have hit our 10,000th listen of the show and we couldn't be more excited and more grateful that you guys have gotten us to this point. It's almost been two years now. We're about wow. a what month? Solstice is on the twenty first of next month, so yep. a month and a couple weeks away from the two year anniversary of the show, and we have just been doing nothing but growing in the last couple months, thanks to you guys, all of your support, and so we're going to kind of roll back the tapes. Look back at the last two years, where it's gotten us, where we're headed, and whatever the else is going on in the world. You oh, know, the world's a crazy place right now. Yeah, the world's a little sad, but uh, the state of the podcast is doing great. Hell so. yeah! <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna give you guys a little inside look at some of the numbers and the reach of the podcast, and just. Uh, to give you guys the pat on the back y'all deserve because y'all are the ones that really, you know, push the show out there. All we do is talking to microphones. Yeah, we do the easy part. Exactly. <laughs> we do the easy part. Y'all do the hard part. Yeah. And we couldn't be more grateful for everything y'all do for us and the continuation of that as we grow, as we improve our content for you guys. And man, it's just, it's wild. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane honestly i mean the numbers and just looking back at it and the time we've put into the podcast and making time in our lives to do the podcast and do because we do the shit no matter what happens you know mm -hmm. we still do quote-unquote average alaskan shit no matter what happens we go and do the adventures and we go and explore but it's nice to be able to share and record our adventures of what we do on the podcast and people care and they listen which is fucking weird <laughs> <laughs> if we're being entirely honest it's super fucking weird but it's really fucking cool no it's and it's it's been cool seeing what it's become because you know when we were first chatting about it it was you know coming out of covid the world has been crazy we've all been pent up you know we're all big podcast consumers ourselves. And, you know, originally it was just there was no, there was nobody covering the stuff we wanted to hear for the area we live in. And, you know, I was finally just like, well, fuck it. 
you know, I support podcasts. I want them to continue to grow. I want there to be more content on the stuff I want to learn about. And there's a need for it in what we do. And like you said, we're going to be doing it anyways. So why not sit down, you know, once a week, couple times a month, whatever it is, and just talk about it, break it down, do what we can to whether, you know, you listen to this for entertainment or to learn, you know, whatever you can from us or to, you know, try and pick up on a new hunting spot or fishing spot or just to get a, you know, a sneak peek into what life in Alaska is actually like, you know, just the no BS, the true, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly of what it is to, you know, live up here and to adventure up here and to, you know, live your life up here and, you know, to see it go from just sitting around the coffee table at the rental me and Jordan were living at to, you know, me buying my first place, moving the podcast there, and then you and Sam buying your first place. And it's just been, it's been a crazy ride. There's been all kinds of stuff that's happened. And just, you know, just the fact that it's been two years since we started, it feels like, you know, yesterday, really. I mean, it at this point just feels like a normal thing in life you know every we're not always every week with the show but you know we're regular it's part of our life now and it's cool getting to see the feedback and seeing it become a part of other people's lives you know we were breaking down the analytics earlier and since the show's come out this podcast has been played somewhere in the world every day for the last two years Ugh. And, which is real creepy to think that you're in somebody's ear every day of the year, you know, but for sure, but no, it's cool. And that's, it, I mean, that's all we do it for is to, you know, we're community people. We want to build our local community and we want to help build the outdoor community, the Alaska community, whatever it is. And this is our little, you know, our two cents of, you know, what we can, what we can help do. And without y'all, you know, we'd be talking to ourselves in a, room in a garage surrounded by snow but thanks to y'all people actually listen y'all write in y'all talk to us we try and you know try and facilitate whatever we can for you guys when we can and just seeing the community grow and continue to grow and grow quicker it's just it's wild it's beyond me (laughs) here just even hearing you talk about it and hearing all the numbers and whatnot is just it's beyond me that people actually you know, care enough to tune in and it really warms my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it scares me kind of, <laughs> I'm a big conspiracy guy, big tinfoil hat kind of guy, F the government kind of guy, but you know, it's just amazing that people will care to hear our voices and hear what we have to say. Yeah. Whether you hate us, you like us, we appreciate the listen. So all publicity is good publicity, <laughs> good, bad or ugly. Amen. Uh, so before we dive into, too much uh, of the future and the past and just wrapping it up. I wanted to share uh, some of the analytics with you guys because, you know, we we care about you guys. We want you all to be informed. We want you all to be in the loop. We're not here to just hide things and beat around the bush and, you know, so why not tell you guys? That's right. We're not the greatest nor the worst, but I'll tell you, if it weren't for you guys, we would be nothing. Amen, brother. God damn right. All right. Well, as my app loads up, a little teaser for the future, because as the year wraps up, 
things always kind of spool up. There's always news. All There's always stuff going. It's busy this time of year. You got holidays. You got all kinds of stuff. And the relevant stuff for you guys, we'll be doing this episode, like I said, kind of a, a victory lap for us and y'all, as well as some informational stuff. Um, but this will be a little victory lap. I'll have uh, some exciting news in the next couple weeks that it's been sitting in my back pocket for a while. Um, me and my family will be getting news here in the next week or two. Hopefully, I'll be able to share with you guys at that point. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I cannot speak about it uh, due to agreements to this point, but uh, that'll be exciting. That'll be coming out in an episode here in the near future, the good or the bad of that decision. Um, we will have our Spotify wrapped coming out, which is always exciting. It's more exciting for us than y'all, uh, but that'll be information we can share with y'all and uh, kind of keep y'all in the loop with all that as well. That kind of breaks down where the show kind of sits in the entire world of podcasts and all that. Last year, uh, we had a very good one, which was exciting. Just gives us a lot more analytics uh, than we normally have and just a, a neat insight of all kinds of different um, statistics that really don't matter, but they're just cool to kind of pick apart and dissect. And it'll be interesting to kind of compare them to last year's wrapped and this year's wrapped. And that'll be coming out in December. So that'll be fun. Uh, I was hoping to kind of do it all at once, but you guys are way too supportive and we hit the our milestone sooner than I was anticipating. So that's amazing. Um, but now that my phone is loaded, I'm going to give y'all some insight on some things. So Spotify has improved their analytics for us, which is awesome. So like I mentioned, as this episode airs and you guys are listening, we will break our 10,000 play mark, which is a big milestone for us and kind of for most podcasts, that's kind of the point of no return, you're in too far deep, you got to, all of a sudden you're going to start disappointing people once you uh, <laughs> uh, disappear, but, uh, you know, that'll be neat, hitting five digits there. Uh, you guys have shown a ton of support. Our uh, One of our more recent episodes, How to Plan a Remote Alaskan Hunt, has shot up uh, the charts on our end and is now our third most played uh, episode, so we really appreciate that, and uh, really enjoy seeing how the episodes kind of break break down and seeing what you guys enjoy the most um and it helps us kind of you know not necessarily tailor our content but lean into um in cases the stuff you guys are more interested in what y'all want to hear so um that really helps as well as y'all's feedback you know all the reviews you guys give the comments the messages y'all send those are super helpful uh and if you guys don't mind take the time right now pause what you're doing and go hit the little follow button on Spotify, iTunes, whatever you're listening to. Um, it takes two seconds, and it's not going to annoy you with a bunch of notifications or anything, but it will pop up every time we put out a new episode. It'll let you know that it's up, and it'll allow you guys to hop in uh, earlier than others and join the conversation. And it just 
helps us grow. Um, that's what this episode's all about is thanking you guys and uh, for all your support. And that's one of the biggest ones, just following the podcast, leaving a review and leaving a comment. It really helps uh, push it in the world of Spotify and all that stuff and uh, just helps us reach and help more people. Um, but anyways, like I mentioned, we'll be breaking that 10,000 mark. We have also, we will do a run through of one of my favorite, um, stats they give you on here is the audience and the breakdown of where they're from. And right now, as long as, yep, it looks like it's staying the same. We are currently being heard in 46 countries around the world, which is one of my favorite stats because it's just neat seeing the scope of, you know, people that are interested in Alaska or the outdoors up here or who sadly just clicked on a show thinking it was going to be something else and uh, <laughs> got to listen to us blabber for a couple hours. Gotcha. <laughs> but, no, some of my favorites rounded out. I'm not going to list them all on here because uh, you'll probably get annoyed with that. But uh, the United States is our number one uh, geographic location, obviously, as we are based out of the United States. Um, our Aussie follow sh- followers are in number two. Huge shout out to you guys. Uh, both Australia and New Zealand are in the top five. Huge hunting community out there. Uh, kind of long lost cousins to Alaska. I like to think just because they're living in a crazy, harsh environment. Things love to kill you out there. But, you know, wild, free people who love getting out there and uh, taking advantage of uh, nature. So we love uh, all the Aussie support for sure. I know lots of Alaskans that visit Australia and New Zealand just because it's another wild adventure. They go explore those places and rent vans and live in vans and they go surf and they do all the crazy shit you can in those places because they're like, well, I've done all this shit here. I'm going to fucking go somewhere else and do some crazy shit. And that's <laughs> inevitably where they end up going. Oh, for sure. It's on the top of my to visit list. Uh, I've always loved the Aussies, had a ton of friends in college and teammates that were either from Australia and New Zealand. Man, one, Freaking love the accent. You can't listen to an Aussie talk and not have a smile on your face. Um, (laughs) It's just something about their their lingo, their verbiage, everything about it. Love it. And, yeah, it's just a wild place. You know, aggressive, steep country, uh, especially in the New Zealand area. Uh, Australia has about everything in the world that can kill you, from snakes, spiders, to saltwater crocodiles, you know. Um, And, I mean, just just about as limitless amount of game as you want to take. I think Australia has something like 26 or 28 huntable species, New Zealand. I mean, its roots were, you know, it was originally a British hunting colony, essentially. The Brits were like, we're going to turn this into Mecca. (laughs) And, I mean, it's red stag, tar, chamois, fallow deer. I mean, all kinds of just beautiful, beautiful animals. I can't wait to get the chance to go down there and try and put a tar down um been putting the bug in jordan's ear hoping maybe a honeymoon trip to new zealand uh we do some sightseeing i can maybe get a stag and a chamois uh hopefully a tar it'd be freaking sweet (laughs) be three weeks in two of weeks will be you hunting (laughs) the other one would be like "Mm, let's go to the beach (laughs) exactly you know it sounds like a perfect honeymoon to me (laughs) i don't i see no problem with that (laughs) 
But so big shout out to our our blokes uh, down there, our Australian followers. Uh, another shout out to South Africa. They're our third most listened uh, to country. And then Canada. Shout out to the cucks in Canada in fourth place. Uh, <laughs> Didn't make the podium. I'm sorry. They're like, uh, they're like Alaska, just fucking not. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Canada. Your politics suck, but yeah, that's not y'all's you're fault. You're Alaska, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Y'all got some cool shit. Yo, Albertans, people from BC, Yukon, they're cool. Yeah. Everybody else, man. Yeah. These side can stay where they're at. <laughs> but a couple other fun ones, you know, plenty of Europe in there. Uh, Ooh, Europe. Uh, <laughs> uh, shout out to sl- the Czechs and the Slovaks out there, uh, the motherland. Um, some Grenada in there, a uh, bunch of Middle East, uh, which is cool. Uh, taking a break from the war to pop in and listen to the <laughs> to the episode, so I appreciate that. Uh, you know, all all our love and respect goes to everybody out there fighting for everything and whatnot but uh thanks for listening (laughs) regardless what's not (laughs) (laughs) well we could we could always loop back to that we're gonna keep it positive circle back (laughs) yeah uh jordan's favorite uh turks and case caicos islands um i don't even know that's at. yeah yeah me neither (laughs) thanks caicos (laughs) exactly uh china Somebody out there uh, fighting us? the government. And <laughs> they allow us in China? <laughs> Apparently. You talk about guns and, and hating the government. They allow us in China? Oh, somebody's risking their life out there for us. Yeah, they've got a really good VPN. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Uh, Thailand, Turkey. I don't even, I didn't even know this was a country. I th- it's got to be in Africa, but I don't know. Eswatini? Eswatini, I think it, you say it. I have no idea. Yeah. But I'm, I'm uncultured. But anyways, the point is, almost a third of the world is out there listening to us. So if you're not, hit the follow button and join in because you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out, man. Don't miss out. You know, because you could be one of the loyal followers from the beginning. And I know I keep saying it, but that's what this is about. Saying thank you to y'all, the ones that have gotten us to this point from the beginning. Because... The show's going to continue to grow as long as we keep putting effort into it. And, you know, we want to be able to touch more people, touch more ears, help as many as we can. But the true, real OGs are y'all. So uh, if you want to join that coveted, coveted group, make sure to follow if this is your first episode you're listening to. Or if you're new to the podcast and still on the fence about it, we're good. It's worth it. Come on now. One thing I am stoked for, off topic, ice fishing, because I love reaching out to listeners and they'll message you on Instagram and things like that. And like, I'll totally invite anybody who wants to go ice fishing, ice fishing. Hell yeah. 1000%. We a huge hut. You want to go ice fishing? We'll go ice fishing. We're not the best. We're not great. <laughs> we catch fish. <laughs> we have a great time. We have a great time. But that's one thing I would love to, you know. Kind of like a meet and greet style, just to hang out with listeners and go fishing. Exactly. And it's the best way to do it because you've already got a mutual thing you're into. Absolutely. You know, you don't have to go through the super awkward first date of, uh, oh, let's get coffee and hi. Yeah, you you listen to us. That's awesome. What's your name? You know, you, yeah. you go out, 
we'll meet up. We'll go, you know, set up on the ice, get to fishing, shooting the shit. I'm about it. Oh. Dude, we should do that. We honestly, we should make a trek up to, because a lot of our listeners are, you know, Anchorage or probably, probably Anchorage, probably Sildana area or farther north or whatnot. But it'd be really cool to go to like Big Lake or somewhere off the Kenai Peninsula and go fish or do like a meetup. Exactly. Because like, we- we're going to be here this day, these hours, this many days. Show up. Show up with your gear. We'll hang out, have a fire, Heck drink yeah. some drinks, fish. Yeah. And if you're, you know, if you're really into the winter activities, ice fishing, whatever it is, or just any time of the year, don't be afraid to pull out your phone and message us. We're not going to, we're the same people on there as we are on these microphones. You hear us as we are. We don't hold any punches. We don't beat around the bush. You know, we're, we're not getting paid to do this. We do this because we care about y'all and you know, what's better than us talking into a microphone and y'all listening us going and doing the cool shit we're talking about and hanging out and doing it together. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Mm. I enjoy doing it. I'm willing to take anybody to go do it. Definitely not the best at it by any means, but the more you get out there, the better you get. Exactly. That goes for anybody. Yeah. And if, you know, you're up in the Fairbanks area, the Anchorage area, the peninsula, you know, we'll make the drive. Send us a message. If you love getting on the hard water and getting after it, we'll plan a trip with you guys, you know, shoot us a message. If you don't have people to, you know, go with, or you just want more people to get after it, or exactly. You just want to meet up, meet us in person, chew the fat. We'll bring, you know, our remote equipment. We'll do an episode together. We'll do whatever you want. Or if you think you're hot shit and you want to take us ice fishing, (laughs) we'll take it. (laughs) Exactly. We need we need some big we need some big Lakers on the ice this year. So we didn't uh, land any Lakers last year. We didn't. That was the goal. We didn't meet our goal. Super sad. There's no Lakers on the peninsula, but one lake. Yeah. (laughs) So lots of good rainbows. Some good fishing. But great fishing. Holy shit. But summertime fishing, it's off the fucking chain. Yeah. Off the chain, summertime fishing, catch some serious bows, dollies, any form of silver, salmon, red salmon, kings, you name it, we got the fish. Saltwater fish, we fucking, we got it all. Nope. Ice fishing, super lackluster. Right, you're talking to a couple <laughs> southern boys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, we've got good electronics, we got good gear. Like we said, we catch fish, but we're no ice whispers. So, yeah, if you want to freaking, like you said, if you think you're hot shit and you want to freaking put one to us, <laughs> hey, I'll put 50 on it that I'll catch a bigger fish than you. But uh, <laughs> I will ping your uh, fishing uh, fishing spot on my Garmin. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and thank you, and thank you, and thank you. <laughs> That's one thing I haven't seen. I haven't seen any anybody, nobody stop me and be like, oh, hey. You've got that. You got that podcast. I've listened to your podcast before in one of our secret spots. <laughs> yeah, I haven't run into anybody go out there out of their way to go to one of our secret spots, whether it's hunting or fishing or you name it. That has been nice so far. Yeah, a little public recognition's awesome. When we're in our honey holes and you meet us, that's a little bit of a bummer. Oh but good God. on you. We, you know, we've put some breadcrumbs out there, and if sure. you're uh, oh so willing, you know, the world's your oyster. But. Uh, that's right. We do carry guns, and uh, <laughs> we know how to get rid of bodies. 
Jokes, jokes. It was the cricket sound. Four one one, your ass. Four one one. You were talking about some scary shit. Four oh one is scary. That shit scares the fuck out of me. People just be disappearing. Sean oh. always needs a nighttime pee, buddy. Oh, <laughs> dude. <laughs> Michael, hold my hand. <laughs> oh, man. No, I've been on a freaking binge of all kinds of freaking disaster YouTube and stuff lately, looking up mountaineering disasters, maritime disasters. I don't know. I hate that about you. <laughs> I hate that so much. It's all in the means of preparation, you know? I try and learn some stuff from it, but uh, yeah, that shit's spooky. <laughs> <laughs> or you tell me one about them being under such a vacuum in the water that they got sucked into a pipe or something like oh, that. All right, this one's sick. Well, not really because it's disgusting. Pretty Morb- much everybody dies. Sick. Yeah, it was uh, some underwater welders in. Don't be so I think it was. Off- the <laughs> I think they were off the Cape of Africa, but they the way they do pipe repair is you pretty much send down a chamber. Suck all the water out of it. You create a pressurized chamber underwater so you can, you know, run your torches, do the work you need. And they had a plug on one end of the line, a pressurized line. They went to release the plug and um, pretty much finish their work. Didn't realize the the one end was pressurized, whatnot. The vacuum gets pulled because they're in an air pocket underwater and they're working on what's probably a 24-inch petroleum line because i'm trying to think you know they had enough room to get through past their shoulders and manipulate themselves in there but not enough room to really i think they could have flipped around possibly getting a tight enough ball do a flip but like when we were doing our confined space rescue training what that big piece of freaking uh hdp yeah uh that was probably what 36 inches oh all day yeah all day and we had plenty enough room to flip around so i'm assuming they were working in a 24 inch uh line but regardless anyways their plug works through the line pulls a vacuum and pretty much an instant sucks all five guys into this line that's half filled with petroleum now you know also filling with water uh once that vacuum pulls and they are you know, 100 feet underwater inside of the pipe they were once working on, pitch black, you know, covered in oil, um, a couple of them broken bones upon, you know, being violently sucked into a very tight space, um, which oh. just that alone is traumatic enough. Um, oh. And they had to work their way to one end. They're in the complete dark. They don't really know which way they're going, and they know one end is plugged and one end is not. So you kind of have to flip a coin and uh, hope you go in the right direction. Rule of left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they kind of just human centipeded their way in the directions they could go, get to a point where, you know, pipes now half full of petrol, half full of water. They've got a couple oxygen tanks that they had with them uh, from their dive down into the chamber that also got sucked in. So they had limited supplies of air. Uh, they were able to make it through a couple sections. A few of the people that were already injured, uh, you know, unfortunately perished during the attempt to escape. Finally, one uh, gentleman was able to make it to the bottom elbow of the pipe uh, with one other member. And the other member was in a little worse shape than him, uh, just 
injury wise from the situation was asking the other guy to hold up for him he kind of told him hey it's now or never made a shot up to the top luckily it wasn't plugged he was able to make it out uh and unfortunately the other four would eventually perish they did send a rescue team down uh to try and locate them they were able to find where they assumed they were in the pipe knocked on the pipe got a knock back but that was pretty much all for the attempt of a rescue because yeah we're not you know now you're talking underwater confined space rescue mm. in a third world country that really doesn't have the means for it and needless to say for the men died the only one that survived was the one that i just previously mentioned and yeah oh man youtube got some crazy shit on it i'll tell you what <laughs> after doing our confined space rescue course it really opens up my eyes to a lot of that work they do in third world countries or petroleum industry specifically because H2S is a hazard. And they do a lot of confined, confined space hazards like dealing with pipes and things like that and tanks. and It's insane. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Especially here in Alaska, we have a lot of petroleum industry. Whether it's refinery work or on rigs and stuff like that, there's a lot of confined space. And just... Hearing the horror stories of it gives me the ick, man. Oh, yeah. Or the fizz, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> right. It'll get your heart pumping, that's for yeah. sure, for better or for worse. Yeah. No, that was that was a really interesting course because it was, like you said, yeah, it just opens your eyes to a lot of it. Like, you know, just, and a lot of it's not even the rescue portion that's crazy. It's, you know, some of the stories Don was telling us of, you know, you break open a blind flange and you've got, you know, X amount of H2S or whatever other, you know, harmful gases trapped behind it and, you know, see people drop dead in an instant, basically. And With from an invisible gas. Yep. Invisible gas going to kill one, two, three dudes. Nope. You know, in the matter of less than 30 seconds. Yeah. Crazy. Yep, and that, I mean... That work's being done all around the world all the time by people that are probably not getting paid enough. And, yep. you know, they're not getting many pats on the backs or thank yous. And, you know, a lot of it's like a lot of work, you know, police force, first responders, you know, high risk blue collar work or whatever it may be. You know, there's always workplace hazards. Um, and somebody's got to do the tough stuff. We can't all sit behind desks and push paper. That's very important as well, but it definitely uh, lacks a lot of the, you know, dangers that other jobs have, and people have to do it, and there's real consequences that shit, you know? Those people have families, they've got friends, they've got, you know, futures, and just like that, can be gone. Doing that course and talking to Don really inspired me to do more courses like taking the ETT course, the mm. first responder medical course. Yeah. Emergency like, so, trauma and triage. Yep. And then doing like a wildlife emergency responder course. Yeah. Your woofer. That, yeah. That, that shit's fucking cool. Yeah. I really want to do that Linden training woofer class because mm. you get your wilderness first responder, your ETT, um, plus just the way Don, I really appreciated Don's teaching style. He's yeah. very, very direct, very hands-on, uh, not very death by, you know, PowerPoint. And, you know, he's lived it. 
many different ways. Homeboy's done it, and he's got the stories to prove it. <laughs> exactly. From the military to the private industry, to, you know, over 20 years of instructing and, you know, active duty rescue, all kinds of stuff. So it's just one of those, you know. And what I really enjoyed is he didn't get too far into the weeds, into gear, mm-hmm. but he was very educated. And he wasn't somebody that's, this is the shit I use. I've used it for 30 years. You know, to hell with everything else that's come out. Like, this is what I use. He's used it all. He knows what's good. He knows what's gimmicky. He's not there to push a product. You know, he's giving his honest opinions. And he also explains why his opinions are that way. I think, I look at it from this perspective. We use a lot of gear in our personal lives. Different kinds of reels, rifles, Calibers, cartridges, tents, fucking, you name it. There's a lot of Packs, gear involved. Exactly. There's a lot of fucking gear involved. He uses it in his private life. He mm-hmm. likes to do that kind of crazy outdoors, whether it's fucking, he talked about his ice climbing and rock climbing experiences and crazy shit like that. He likes to use it in his private life. And so mm-hmm. he gets firsthand experience with all the equipment. And he's kind of a gear geek. He can mm-hmm. really sit there and chop the fucking shit with you over. Bullshit gear, but he tries to keep it to the point mm-hmm. and tries to tell you, this is what I've used. I've used all this other shit. This is why I like to use it. Exactly. And I, what I really enjoyed was because to that point, he'd be like, you know, he could sit for two hours and tell you the difference between, you know, a Petro Maestro and a Petro Clutch. Yeah. And, you know, he'd be like, yeah, people will swear by this one, this one or bust, you know. All day with the clutch, but in reality, with the applications you're going to use, with the budget you have, and just the ease of use, there's no reason for you to use, you know, to go out and buy the more expensive, you know, equipment that's 3% better Mm -hmm. in general application when you can get this piece of equipment, cover everything you need, Um, might not have one or two bells or whistles that you're, you know, could have with the other piece. But this does everything you need. There's no reason to, you know, go for this if you already have this or if this is what your budget meets. And as well as like you were saying, it's private life. He also it was nice just knowing because especially when it comes to safety stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's nice to have the good, the perfect equipment for it. But realistically, <clears throat> you're going to use it once, twice, three times. In a career? Hopefully. Exactly. Yeah. Ideally, zero times. And so it's hard to justify spending a ton of money on it Mm -hmm. to have the nicest and the most adequate equipment for the uh, situation. But then he'd also wrap it into like, well, this is, you know, we keep these mini units are great for this, this and that. And then if you, you know, this is what I would carry if you needed some recovery tackle for a snow machine. Or if you want a pocket, you know, something to throw in your pack for uh, dropping equipment off cliffs or for goat hunting, sheep hunting, or this is how I would use this to hang a moose quarter. (laughs) When we were talking to him, sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, you're good, Doug. I was like, man, I'm totally keeping one of those in the four-wheeler next year. One of those Aztecs, the mini four-to-one. Yeah. I was like, I'm totally putting one of those in my four-wheeler. He's like, you fucking rednecks. (laughs) (laughs) But then he followed up with, actually, if you get this one, it'll be a little lighter and better. Yeah, yeah, it's got titanium backing. You can switch in and out any kind of, you know. Yeah, he's fucking cool. Cool dude. Heck yeah. 
That's something. If you're a listener up in Fairbanks uh, and you like ice fishing, let us know because uh, we're trying to find a reason to go visit our instructor, Don, up in Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. And that'd be a great time. Uh, you could meet an awesome individual and we could ice fish with you as well as our instructor. And that'd be slick. Shut up, uh, Jacob Sosha. He's up in Fairbanks. He's in the Boilers Union. Oh, nice. He, you want to talk about a Northern Pike catching machine? Yeah. That's your boy. Holy shit. You see, he posts some pictures of some crazy shit. Hell some yeah. hogs. I'll hit him up next week. Oh, yeah. I need to. Put the bug in his ear. I've been meaning to message the Bergsoff guys as well, because they've just been ripping the Lakers out already. That. Granted, they have significantly more ice than we do. Um, I wouldn't trust uh, any of the lakes down here right now with uh, <laughs> uh, No. Uh, yeah. Even a Taco Bell fart would melt that shit right now. For but. Sure. <laughs> It's so spicy. <laughs> that shit's funny. <laughs> but no. Wild shit. That class was that class was cool. That class was really cool. Recommend it to anybody out there if you work in any type of industry where you have to work in any type of sketchy situation, go take a confined space course. Talk to your supervisors, talk to your boss, see if y'all can get it in y'all's budget. Cause it's super informational and just like the outdoors, your first line of protection is yourself. Yep, it's you. And you know you are your first responder. Yes, sir. No, mo- no person can keep you safe more than you can. And being able to have the information, even if you're the one in the dire situation, just having that information and being able to recognize what you can do to help the situation, help yourself out, uh, or God forbid, you have to rescue somebody else. You'll at least have the information, if not the tools as well, to accomplish that. Oh, and that was the coolest class, too. It was, was cool. It was sweet. <laughs> Remember, you were the little spoon. I was big spoon. So Michael was the first guy into the, into the hole. And we were underneath the <coughs> city or the <coughs> Homer Public School. And we were underneath their pool. Yeah, their Olympic-sized pool. And let me tell you, that shit was fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was cool to see. And there's pipes and gravel and what's not but they turned the fucking lights out and we were on supplied air so we had got to deal with all those fucking hoses and shit oh that was fucking cool we had to go rescue someone who was stuck in the back so you're dragging what was it called um it's a glorified jet sled in my opinion oh uh oh you uh Totally have a mouse in here, by the way. No, <laughs> yeah, he uh, totally just scurried. Uh, I think he's under your bookshelf right now. Good that or he shot back under the door. He was a pretty good size. I'm gonna kamikaze that motherfucker. All righty, we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, on a kill mission. And we're back. Mission accomplished. <laughs> a quick little um, rodent eradication. At least ask before you come in. That's all I ask. <laughs> right. We got a lot of important shit in here. Yeah, uh, we don't want you to nibble on. This is my coolest stuff is in here. <laughs> but uh, for those of you listening, Kill Count is now up to one in the new studio. <laughs> <laughs> so for all of you that are uh, getting to listen to this, new uh, Average Alaskan Folklore, uh, Rodent Kill Count. That's we'll right. keep a running ticker of that. That's right. Uno. Numero uno. <laughs> Sean stomped the fuck out of that thing. <laughs> we had a couple uh, canoe oars uh, that we were going after him with, uh, and Sean's about as coordinated as a three-day-old giraffe. Hey, fuck you, I'm falling over a chair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but with one step, he uh, managed to spew the guts on everything. 
Yeah, I stopped that pitching it on the walls and shit. But uh, enough that a couple paper towels can't fix. So That's right. No big deal. Now we're back with you guys. Unfortunately, uh, we don't have any snares ready because that would have been a great trapping bait right there. been pretty good. Not going to lie. <laughs> Did I tell you uh, I tried to talk Jordan to let me run a little line there on the property because uh, I've seen all kinds with this new uh, fresh snow we're getting, mm-hmm. seeing all kinds of rabbit tracks around the house and stuff. And she was on team Let Them Live, which, eh, lame. But uh, I don't know what I'd do with the rabbits, anyways. But I've snared a shit ton of rabbits in my old house. Yeah. Yeah. You used to run them right there in the creek, right? Yep. Yeah. No. So I'll probably run a couple snares. Dude, let me tell you. Just throw them in the freezer. Just get them out, quarter them up, throw them in the freezer. Yeah. I'd like to keep some. For wolf bait this winter. I don't know if that's legal or not. I need to look into that. I don't know if it is. Because you can use bait to trap, but can you use bait to predator hunt? Because we've got pretty lax predator rules up here. Could you... Gray area. Could you... Because I know you can bait for snares and traps and things like that. Yep. Could you hunt over a trap <laughs> that just happened to be baited? I don't see an issue with that. I mean, it's two different activities. Can you duck hunt while you're fishing? I've never shot a duck with a fishing pole. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I've never shot a fish with a shotgun, but that'd be a lie. <laughs> Take me back to the trailer park, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Shooting carp. <laughs> <laughs> Blow. Oh, that's funny shit. But if you can do that, I'd love to throw some freaking rabbits in the freezer for wolf bait this winter. Yeah. Now that you're out here in AP, we got to go hunt the river. AP's the shit. Because last winter, driving across the bridge, I saw a pack of like three or four running up the river bottom. Dude, they get big. Dude, they get real big. And nobody hunts them. Nobody hunts them. We know one guy. (laughs) One guy. And he's (laughs) pretty damn good at it. Out here that hunts them. (laughs) Yo. Yeah, I I wish the gate. Honestly, it doesn't really matter. The gate, oh, the board of game and fish, drastically undercounts the wolves out here, but we're still allowed five a year. I think. Yeah. Um. So I'm not too upset about it, but uh, they're just fucking wrong with their numbers, uh, which for just sure. bugs me because they've got to be hard as fuck to count. Oh, for sure. I don't blame them for being bad at their job, but uh, they're bad at their job sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Just like, uh, yeah. <laughs> tell me how, oh, fuck, I don't even want to get started on the trawlers. Fuck the trawlers. <laughs> We're all entitled to our opinions. Yep. I appreciate all the trawler deckhands out there. Uh, good on y'all for uh, working hard and catching fish and Make making money. Make that uh, fuck the industry, though, because y'all really fucking up everything uh, else. We're going to get in the weeds. <laughs> That's what this episode's all about. We got to give back to the people. Let them know what we really think. Well, Plus, we both kind of started this episode a little drunk. Um, yeah, so, big time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sean more than me, but uh, that's okay. You had a head start. <laughs> trying to work on my four-wheeler plow all fucked up, but I was like, I drilled the wrong hole twice. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was wondering. There was about six holes I could have chose from on those uh, U-bolt fucking patterns. Well, that's just so you know you get the right fit, you know. You, you, you hey, she play. fit fucking gorgeous. Wow. Lickety Impressive. Split. <laughs> 
if you need any custom fabrication, uh, call Mr. Sean Love at uh, Sean Love LLC. When I'm super sober, <laughs> really good at fabricating. <laughs> I love that shit. I could geek on it. This garage can be a fab shop in no time. Oh, tell yeah. You. The shop's going to be lit. Yeah. Fifth annual, uh, when we hit our five-year mark, we'll just have to invite all the listeners to fly around the world to your shop. I'm down. It's cool. <laughs> it's, it's cool. We can play cornhole, beer darts. Uh, I don't I don't know what other games you can Pool, play. if we get a pool table. Yo. <laughs> I'm working on it. Dude, fix me up, bro. We'll put it right where the fucking four-wheeler is. Fuck yeah. That would be so fucking cool. Loki. I'm going anyway. to plant the seeds, baby. <laughs> plant the seeds and let me grow the crops. <laughs> yeah. We'll be the local tent. Pool sharks. Be so cool. But riding around come uh, really late November, December time, kind of into January, sheds. You can the shed season. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any, seen any moose. Oh, side note, I need to get a fan-cooled snow machine. To ride trails and shit like that, so that my tr- fucking sled doesn't overheat when I'm looking for sheds. Yeah, because it happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened, and I prefer not to. Yeah. So, because I'm naive to snow machines, I'm slightly—I uh, won't even say that—I'm uh, <laughs> not the most mechanically inclined. Um, I'm great at turning a wrench, and that's about it. Uh, what are the downsides to a fan cooled over a liquid cooled? Fucking heavy. Yeah. It's not technically like a mountain sled. You know, mm. mountain sleds are light, high power, get you where you want to go, and deep powder. Yeah. Fan cooled, they're usually fucking heavy. They're just bulkier. They're bulkier, and they've got unnecessary parts because you don't really ride them in powder. You can, people do, have for a long fucking time. But as we go with technology, and technology's come a long fucking ways. Fan cooled snow machines are it's unnecessary parts you don't you just don't need when you're riding in deep powder. So they've got scratchers and shit when you ride in mountain sleds to kick up snow into your uh, cooler. Yep. Fan cooled, you could ride on asphalt and still be cool, which is really cool. So you ride on your trail that you ride every day to your trap line, or where you go f- find sheds and shit, and just a better point A to B. Piece yeah, of equipment. Your shit won't overheat. It's a real trail sled. Yeah. It's trail sled. That makes sense. It's like when Joe came in and he's like, Oh, I'm getting rid of this phaser probably. I was like, Let me fucking know. Yeah. When you get rid of that phaser, you let me know. Because they run the piss out of them for yeah. a long time. And people don't normally rally as phaser because it's a trail sled. Yeah. So And that's kind of nice because here we huge mountain riding community. Everybody yeah, gets their huge. dick hard on that, which it's cool. It's, it's freaking. Awesome. It's I mean, so I can cool. appreciate it. I can't do it worth a shit because, you know, you're talking about a freaking, you know, homegrown Texas boy. Uh, only, I think, I packed two, three snowballs in my life before moving back up to Alaska. Yeah. Um, but some of our friends and what they can do on those machines, wild. Like, just... You know, like last year, Harshfield and all them, they're up on knife ridges 4,600 feet above sea level on a fucking machine. And I'm just like, one wrong move, and you're like, not getting found. Oh, dude. <laughs> and they're just riding up there. I've seen guys do fucking backflips on sleds, keyholing on the side of a cornice that's fucking 
forever up there. And yeah. they just fucking <laughs> keyhole that bad boy landed down on his fucking side. Is back right up, do another fucking keyhole, fucking whoop, like a dolphin coming out of the water, just <laughs> them in the snow. Whoop, whoop. Shit's crazy. Yeah. Really cool hobby. Just expensive. Expensive as fuck. Yeah. Can't do it the whole year. You got to have stuff. Oh, man. I've got all the reasons in the world to not get into it. But last year, did the most writing I've ever done with uh, Jules Raven. Shout out Jules. He's the GOAT. Um, But he's been riding his whole life. Knows this country like the back of his hand. And his wife doesn't like him riding alone. And so I'm one of the lucky bastards that gets to borrow a sled and go out with jewels and he's it finally clicked this last winter because i've ridden a handful of times before that and it was just rinse and repeat of me getting stuck (laughs) me digging out me going another 500 yards getting stuck and but finally this last winter i was like okay it's starting to make sense you know jewels you know ran me through it because of before last one, the last time I'd ridden was with you when we went uh, yoke and wolf hunting. It was real fucked off conditions. Yeah. And it, it was starting to click there because you were, you know, you're breaking it down, teaching me from the ground up. But still was, I just wasn't confident enough to, because the thing with snow machines is it's, you stay on the throttle. Don't fucking let go of the throttle. Doubt, Speed's throttle your friend. Out. You need flotation. You need to just stay on top of the snow. And I'm so accustomed to side-by-sides and four-wheelers where you get in a pickle, just throw it in granny gear, low and slow, and you'll work your way out of anything. If you do that in a snow machine, you ain't getting out of the fucking parking lot. <laughs> like, no. And it just, you know, going 50 through trees is a little spooky when turning really isn't a th- thing like it it uh, it's just a weird weird it's a weird activity but once it starts to click once you figure out how to operate the equipment you're using freaking awesome it's insane you can go anywhere that's the cool thing about the snow like when you're hiking you get to a draw and it's choked out with alders sure you can go through it if you want this shit's gonna suck or you can go around it, or you can figure out a different route. With a snow machine, you just <laughs> across it, wherever you want to go. Key, I have baja through spruce trees, alders. <laughs> trees are for traction, trees baby. Trees for traction, baby. <laughs> I have baja through shit. I have broken bumpers, you name it. I have, I have done it. Yeah. Because you could go anywhere at the cocksucker. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. And it's, I do believe it's one of, like, if you want to get into a sport that you can start doing like quote unquote tricks or getting to the edge of your skill level really quick. I think snow machining is probably the best for that. Cause it's got mm-hmm. the least amount of like critical error involved. Cause you can fall off a snow machine going 50. And as long as you're in the right conditions, you're just falling into powder. Sure. Yeah. Like it does. It's not like, laying your motorcycle over on an edge because you wanted to hit this corner going 60 and power slide the thing, and now you're missing half your left leg because of road rash. I mean, de minimis, but yes. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, you know, being able to be able to get air on a sled or be able to, you know, catwalk or try to keyhole or dropping off of cornices and stuff. Like, you can, if you've got kind of natural athletic ability and just a kind of a willingness to potentially fuck yourself up a little bit, you can do some awesome stuff with a sled really quick. Riding a snow machine, I've never been worried about fucking myself up. Yeah. 
I have a few times, but that's just because I'm really worried about hitting trees. Because trees are hard, snow is not. Let me tell you, I ain't worried about hitting trees. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm not worried about my sled hitting trees. I'm worried about my rib cage hitting trees. I will straight eject, hit a tree, fall off into the snow, get back on the sled. <laughs> Drag it out of the tree, go to the next one. Yo. I've I have hit some river bottoms, <laughs> some creek bottoms. That shit hurts. I've been ejected off a sled. My sled that's currently as a front bumper broke off. <laughs> Ejected myself into a creek bottom at low light. That shit hurt. <laughs> I speared myself into a fucking bank and couldn't dig myself out. That shit hurt my neck bad. <laughs> Somebody pulled my ankies. Yeah. But a lot of Alaska people ride sleds. Down here, it's mountain sledding. Here to Cantwell, there's a lot of mountain sleds. Yeah. Like Valdez. Valdez is crazy fucking All snow. All mountain sleds. Holy shit. They, they got get crazy snow. Dumped on. They... <sighs> That's just, oh, I can't imagine living in Valdez. Gorgeous place. I would do it if I could make it happen. Um, not a lot of industry there. Not a lot of, uh, but the winters are just insane. Like, you'll yeah. see, you know, historic pictures of 20-foot snow berms and shit. Like, Talking to Timbo? He yeah. used to work for DOT in oh, yeah, Valdez. out of Valdez. Holy shit, he's got some crazy stories. He's like, yeah, this massive fucking snowball fell down out of the middle of fucking nowhere. It's like 20 feet tall. I was like, a snowball? Bro, what? <laughs> That's a snow boulder, my guy. Yeah, he's like, yeah, went out there with the fucking loader, picked it up, put it back in the ditch. I was like, Holy <laughs> fuck, man. Dude, that's like you see the old, uh, I don't even know where it's from. I think it's on the border somewhere. I think it's, oh, there's no road system. It's somewhere near the Canadian border, but the historic pictures of you know plowing out or blowing out the roads don't even know how they it's one of those pictures you look at it and i'm like that's got to be fake because you're looking at a road with 20 foot walls of snow on either side i don't even know how you physically get the snow from the road on top of those berms without like some form of elevated blower arm or that's something. all they do is they can no longer plow it they have to snow blow the roads they it's a two-lane road or a could be a four-lane road. It's just covered up by snow after the <laughs> yeah. entire year. They just snow blow the entire thing and shoot as far out as they can, but it's just snow blown. Everything is snow blown because you can't push snow that far. Yeah, and it's just crazy because, I mean, you'll see a, you know, a 1960s, four, or not even a 60s. This was back when they still looked like fucking bubbles. You know, so you're <laughs> talking like a 40s and 50s Fords. Uh, you know, you look at them and you're like, dad. Fred Flintstone car. Don't know how yeah. that works. Holy shit. Uh, shout out Tyler Friel. Some of the posts he has on Instagram of like homestead days. And oh, like that. his throwbacks to his, yeah. his parents. So and cool. Stuff. I mean, super bad. What they used to put those old Fords through. <laughs> they don't like them like they used to. Yeah, you see that mountain over there? We're going to drive to it. We're going to cut down trees in our way. Drive that motherfucker to the moose. <laughs> Places I wouldn't even think about taking a four wheeler. Oh. I'm like, I'm for sure going to get stuck up there. They're driving a pickup up that motherfucker. Yeah, 1950s Ford F-150. They don't build them like they used to. That's all I'm saying. Oh, no, wild. Yeah. If you get a chance, Tyler Friel on Instagram. I think his Instagram's the Tyler Friel, host of the Tundra Talk podcast. Super cool dude. Awesome podcast. Give it a listen. Awesome podcast. Um, but, yeah, some of the old, you know, that must have been on 8 millimeter, 8 millimeter film. Then oh, I would I think, 
Um, but super cool. And just seeing, you know, they'll have five moose racks laid out and stuff back in the heyday of Fairbanks in that area, back when, you know, Alaska was still barely being developed. When you could go stake your, this is, the government would go pay you to go stake your claim. Yep. And oh, what I would give to, you know, rewind 50 years and see Alaska then, like, even when my dad came up in the 80s, you know, still no paved Alcan and stuff and just, like, seeing real true Alaska. Alaska's still one of the, you know, it's the last frontier. There's still, you want to get lost, you can get lost, and you can get lost in a heartbeat. But seeing it before the modern world touched it, oh, I would have freaking loved to see that well, and experience that. A lot of people that don't ever leave a city their whole lives, what we do is unfreaking believable to them. Last mm-hmm. two nights ago, my parents got a roadkill moose. Yeah, that's right. Holy shit. Nowhere else in the world do you see that kind of stuff. No. They're like, you hit something, and it's so fucking big, totals your car, and they call someone up to come pick it up yeah. to eat it. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Because your car is totaled, and the moose is fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that lady hit that moose, perfectly fine. Like, I mean, it was a little smashed up in the front quarter and in the neck area, but totally fine. Recovered probably 90, 98, 95% of that meat. Insane. It was an awesome experience. Yeah. And that's one really neat thing about Alaska. I think we've touched on it once before in a way back episode, but Alaska has an amazing program where you can sign up to be on a roadkill list and... For us down here, it's all moose. I don't know if they have a caribou program or not, like for oh, Fairbanks sure and stuff. Because we've uh, picked up bears and stuff. Oh, they do it for bears yeah, as well? Yeah, we've picked up black bears off of Baycrest huh. before, yeah. But uh, essentially, you sign up, fill out a little bit of paperwork, and you get put on a list. And if somebody hits a moose, they just kind of work down their list. And you have to be able to pretty much drop what you're doing, go out there, <laughs> pick up a fucking 1,500-pound animal, and deal with it. But it's an amazing resource for, you know, especially people that either don't have the time or ability to hunt or, you know, it just, it's not their lifestyle, but they still want to be be able to have fresh game meat and that type of stuff where, you know, it was what a Wednesday evening or Tuesday evening. Yeah. It was Tuesday, right? Tuesday. I think it it might have been. Yeah. I think it was Tuesday. It might have been Wednesday. Because you were at work that day, right? Earlier that day? No, or? it was Wednesday, for then sure. Wednesday. Wednesday evening. And we were going to my parents' house to drop off some shit. And boom, right then, it was probably 5, 30, 6 o'clock in the afternoon, just getting dark. Dispatch calls. It's like, hey, we got this roadkill moose. Here's This is where it's at. Can you respond? I was like, man, I don't I don't know. I, mean, I needed to talk to my dad at that point. He was like, can we get a, like a car wrecker or a low boy trailer with a winch on there or something? He's like... No problem, man. We've we've got it covered. I was like, all right, yeah. I'm Sean Love. This is my phone number. I'm able to respond. Be there five minutes. And like, all right. <clears throat> Police are there. Go there, blah, blah, blah. So we head down the hill. And when Samantha's Subaru, we responded in her Subaru. <laughs> <laughs> Not the car to respond in, apparently. <laughs> I was like, hey, Sean Love, you know, we're here for the charity, blah, blah, blah. And uh, funny story. He's like, oh. Are you, are you charity? I was like, no, Sean. <laughs> He's like, no, charity. I was like, no, 
Sean. <laughs> is, are you here for the moose? Oh, oh, oh. Yes, I'm charity. I'm here for the moose. Yes, yes. I'm not charity. <laughs> In uh, your defense, that is not the right way to approach that. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sorry. You got to... Listen, you got to dial down the whole code speak for a second. <laughs> Who names their kid Charity? <laughs> <laughs> so I get it. I understand. It was a misunderstanding. Super fucking funny. <laughs> but we go there. It was a wrecker. Pretty much a car wrecker. It's an old top kick. Had the bed taken off and a winch installed with a picker on it. And my dad called his buddy. He's like, hey, we got this Roku moose. Come over here with the wrecker. Be there in five minutes. He's like, yeah, no problem. Picked it up, insane, right off the side of the road, with, put it back in the trailer, took it to the shop, quartered it out. We were up there till probably uh, 12 o'clock, 12.31 a.m., swept the shop out, cleaned all the blood out, quartered it up, and it was a great experience for my family, because they haven't done a whole lot of moose anything, to a degree. Mm. You know, we've gotten bears and things like that, but they haven't done a whole lot of moose quartering. And my sister was there, her husband was there, Samantha was there. And lo and behold, we were put in charge of doing it all. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) I'm probably not going to eat any of this. (laughs) But it was good for everybody to see. My grandpa was there. He showed up and took pictures and hung out for a little while. My mom was there and my brother. And so it was a good family bonding experience for sure. That was your probably your granddad's first time seeing like a moose on the hoof like that. He was dumbfounded. (laughs) He was like, Holy he, Oklahoma, long time. Mm. They lived in Indiana for a little while, for most of his life. Until my dad was probably eight years old, and they moved to Oklahoma, and they've been there since. And they finally moved up here to Alaska to be with us. And he'd never seen one that close, never seen a moose that close, let alone dead hanging from a wrecker yeah. <laughs> in the garage. And he's like, "Holy shit! Holy shit! This that that is huge!" I was like, "Yeah." About to cut this thing up. <laughs> That's the size of like a beef cow. I was like, yeah. I mean, it was a full grown cow moose. Yeah, all up. It had to have been at least 1,300 pounds. Oh, yeah, every bit. And beautiful condition. Beautiful cow. I'm very grateful for it. Family's very grateful for the whole thing. But it was a great family bonding experience. And then the next, last night, the next evening, we took it over to my parents' house. We brought our big eight-foot plastic table and all the knives I have, all my cutting knives and butcher paper and saran wrap and things. And I was like, all right, this is... We went and grabbed the meat from the shop. It was outside hanging in game bags overnight. And I was like, all right, this is how we're going to... This is how we do it. Pulled one quarter in at a time, took the meat off the bone, discarded the bone, which for fishing game, you have to keep... When you get a roadkill moose, you have to keep the skull the scapula and two vertebrae. So it's pretty much the pelvis, the scapula off the, which is like the tail bit mm-hmm. hanging off the end and two vertebrae above the pelvis huh? and a femur bone. Why? I'm not a scientist. Don't fucking ask, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's a require. And I imagine it's because of, you know, how much meat did you actually take off of it? How good of a job? Cause you can tell when someone does a good job mm-hmm. cleaning up a moose by, what the femur looks like, how the head is presented, and what the scapula looks like, or if it's broken, or I'd, I'd tell they if they age it, or if I was going to say, I'm sure cow. they do some aging and some yeah. if they had a calf last year or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I don't know, not a biologist. Bone samples of some sort, marrow sure. sample. I, <laughs> I have no fucking idea, but it was a great family bonding experience. My mom did a lot of packing of meat, and I was like. 
this is how you do it. And she's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I fucking got it. Don't worry about me. I was like, okay, no problem. <laughs> so my dad and I, we cut him off the bone. We quartered it up and cut it into cuts and things like that. And it was awesome. It was awesome. And it's going to feed my entire family for the whole winter and yeah. most of next year. I was going to say, if not longer. It's, yeah. I mean, you probably got at least 800, you know, at least 700 pounds of edible meat off that oh, bad yeah. boy. Oh, yeah. Know? They're not small critters, and it's a great – if you're somebody out there that's, like, either on the fence about hunting or you want to get into it but you really don't know what it all entails, that's a great, like, gateway drug into it to where, you know, sign up for that list. If you know realistically you probably won't go hunting or won't go moose hunting for a year or two, but you want to dip your toes in it, it's a great opportunity to, one, fill your freezer and get – some hands-on experience with the processing side of it because just, I mean, breaking a moose down, you know, y'all had the luxury of being able to hang it and, you know, pretty much properly break it down and butcher it as if you were in a butcher shop. Um, But not everybody has that luxury. And in the field, you definitely don't have that luxury unless you've got a shit ton of equipment out there, which awesome if you do, but realistically not going to happen. Um, but it's a great way to get to actually cut on a moose, realize how heavy a quarter is, how hard it is to manipulate a moose and just roll the carcass when you're working on it. Because you said they can be 1,200 to 1,800 pounds. Um, and it's a, it's a feat, but it's a great, you know, it's a great resource. The state allows us to participate in a great way to fill the freezer. A lot of people are, can be weirded out by the aspect of it being you know roadkill you know you only people you associate with roadkill and eating is generally you know backwoods hillbillies eating mm-hmm. coons off the side of the road you know kind of that stereotype but here you know they get hit the police respond ems responds and then they're immediately working down their list to get somebody out there to where you know y'all probably were there 15 minutes after the moose was dispatched not even they had just pulled it off the road and the ambulance wasn't even gone with the lady yeah so i mean that animal was dead five minutes before y'all were there i mean it gets gets no fresher than that and not all roadkill are made equal some get freaking you know there's a difference between you know, a Subaru hitting it in a 25 zone and, you know, breaking its neck and a semi hitting it going 70 down the highway. Yeah, you crush smack that thing and the only thing left on it is one quarter. <laughs> yeah. So not all roadkill is uh, made equal, but, you know, it's something that I encourage anybody out there that if you don't have the means to, it's great to sign up. Uh, if you do have the means to it and your freezer is usually full, maybe pass on signing up for it just to allow others the opportunity that may be needier or don't have the means to do it. Um, I'm not telling you how to live your life, live your life the way you want, but uh, you know, look out for everybody else too. You know, if you somebody that shoots three caribou, four deer, a bear and a moose every year, you probably don't need to be on the list. Um, You probably are, but that's okay. Um, but there might be a family out there that, you know, loves the game meat, might be a little strapped on cash and don't have the means to get out there and do the things we get to and get to enjoy. Um, so think about them as well, but I do encourage, especially if you're on the fence about it, sign up for it, get a firsthand, uh, you know, 
practice run with it and you know might be surprised you might love it you might freaking hate it it's a lot of work it's not easy it's a lot of work you better have you better have the means to remove the animal from the area that's the hardest part in my opinion yeah because even if you have a pickup like that's a good starting point you still got to get that son of a gun in there because <laughs> even with no quarters on it it's still heavy oh yeah and you there's could, a you could drop all four legs yeah exactly you're you take all four legs and chop the neck at the shoulders, and you're still not getting that freaking torso yeah. with four guys lifted into something. Yeah. Like, not happening. Big heavy. <laughs> yeah. But, no, that's super awesome. It was funny because I actually saw y'all down there. Didn't know it was y'all at the time. I was leaving work. You had that day off. Um, and I was driving by, and I was like, what the heck? You know, because I saw uh, Kenny's uh, picking truck there, and I was like, I didn't see a wrecked vehicle, and I couldn't see the moose because it was kind of down off that embankment. And I was like, "What's going on?" And the only I knew there was a manhole over there, and I was like, "I wonder if they're trying to freaking get the lid off that manhole." I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck's yeah. going on?" And then you sent a text in our work group chat, and I saw the picket truck moose in the back of the truck, and I saw uh, Sam Subi in the back. I was like, "Oh shit, no, that makes sense." And I was like. I felt a little freaking bummed out that I didn't get a phone call, but then uh, Sean informed me that he tried to call me three times, apparently, and I uh, missed all of them. Uh, my house is kind of in a dead zone, so I think I was just lacking service at that point. But uh, so I guess to my benefit, I didn't have to help out any, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I would have was, loved to have been there. Oh, but. you would have. It was <laughs> awesome. And, you know, picking up a moose quarter. A lot of those people for the first time, my sister, um, her husband picking it up. I was like, grab it by the ball, and we'll I'll grab the hoof, and we'll pick it up and go hang it out in the shed. And he's like, okay. He grabs it by the ball, and he's like, how the fuck you pick this thing up? And I was like, with your hands, dude. <laughs> There's no other way to pick it up. I'm going to grab this in, you're going to grab that in, and we're going to pick it up and walk it over there. Yeah, preferably using your legs and not your back, but yeah, that's like, about this how. Is, this is fucking heavy. How do you? I was like, grab it by the ball and put your hand on the backside and pick it up. But, man, it was a great experience for the whole family. Yeah. No, that's really cool because, like you mentioned, you know, they haven't gotten to, you know, deal with a bunch of moose and stuff. And, you know, just for, like, your grandpa just to see them hanging and, you know, get to see the magnitude of what those animals really are. Because you see them driving and stuff. And, you know, they're big. But until you walk up on one on the ground, you're like, Phew, Jesus. Yeah, you feel an entire truck bed full of meat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're going to need a bigger freezer. <laughs> no, it's, if it's a great opportunity. Just have the means to enable to get it. And because there's a lot of people who do or they can't get someone to respond to it and they have a last resort call for a guy who has the means, has a low boy or something like that, cuts it up and brings it to the food bank, Yeah, which is that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. It's just cool that, you know, it's unfortunate. It's not unfortunate that we have to share the space with them, but it's unfortunate that they do cause quite a few, you know, animal accidents on the road, vehicle accidents, and people do perish. In them, they are, you know, the largest hooved animal in North America, and they will mess you in a vehicle up, especially if you're in a small car. Um, but that the state's done the foresight of not letting that go to waste. Like, yep. that was always a bummer. I mean, I'm sure y'all saw it in Oklahoma, but in during the rut in Texas, you know, if you were in the 
if you were out in the boonies, you'd see a ditch full of roadkill deer because they're everywhere. They're moving at night, dusk and dawn. You know, people are driving 70. They run out in traffic. The classic deer in the headlights smack, you know, roll them into the ditch, go on with your day. But having the state, you know, put in the infrastructure and the systems to make use of that meat because not only is it a resource for hunters it's a resource for everyday people up here and you know we don't want to be whacking moose unnecessarily but when it happens it's good to you know use every bit and piece of it and not let anything go to waste you know take advantage of kind of a you know a tragic incident you know your car is probably totaled you're probably worse for wear shape Uh, moose is definitely going to be dead but at least you know we're doing what we can to you know, pick up the loose ends. It is a shitty situation where you see the car getting picked up by the tow truck on a low boy or a well, rollback and the ambulance taking someone. You're like, damn, that that sucks. But we are grateful for yeah. the situation. <laughs> it's that circle of life. Uh, thanks, but sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that's always one thing that I've always kind of chuckled about. It's Kind like if I hit a moose and I told him my shit, I want to take that moose. <laughs> like, oh, I just say that's no. not how it works. <laughs> I know. But if I total my pickup, I'm putting that some bitch in the bed of my pickup and throwing <laughs> that on the tow truck and uh, butchering it in my front yard. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you want to hand me uh, one of them Celsius? Yeah, hundred percent. Hell yeah! Shout out uh, Alaska Brewing Company for your amazing. Wow. Cherry grapefruit Celsius keeping us hydrated. They're my favorite by far. I don't know what they're made of, but it's delicious. Pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. So part of this little celebration, I wanted to kind of look back, roll back in time to the early days and just kind of talk about all the things that we've gotten to do over the last two years, the things that we've gotten to share with you guys, kind of where we are in life and where we've come from and where we've gotten to um, and just kind of share some of our personal accomplishments with y'all because y'all have gotten to live with us through this. You've gotten to hear our stories. You've gotten to hear us ramble, talk about crazy stuff, but it's easy to lose track of what we've done. You know, it's easy to take things for granted and, think we didn't do a lot or we didn't get out much this year or we didn't hit this goal or that but when you really look back and break it down you're like damn we got to do a lot of cool stuff and we got to do a lot of growing over the last two years um, both personally professionally uh, emotionally financially all kinds of stuff so I just wanted to take this kind of second half of the episode and Kind of just talk about it. Break it down. The highs, the lows, the good and the bad. Man, this summer, I try I try to pinch myself and look back at what we've done. Because we do a lot of cool shit. We have the opportunity to do anything we truly want to do. Anything we're possibly capable of doing. And end up glassing over things that are amazing, just truly amazing for any outsider from down south or anything like that. Amazing things that we just take for granted. Like we go, we'll drive as far as we can to go to when we're going to Anchorage and we'll be 
be like, oh, I've never slept at this campsite. Let's go here. We'll pull off into that campsite, spend the night, go hike, and finish our drive to Anchorage the next morning. Not a lot of people get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so I have probably 20, 30 nights like that over the summer and spring and fall and that I just kind of forget about or glass over. And they're just amazing memories that I have to bring myself back to reality. Like, we did that. Like, I didn't feel like I didn't get a lot of fishing in the summer. Mm-hmm. Hardly at all. I didn't get to go flip fishing as much as I wanted to. I didn't get to fish for as many rainbows as I wanted to or wet a whole lines in the ocean as much as I wanted to. Had a lot of stuff going on. Both of us did. But we still got our limit on the Kasilov for reds. Filled our freezer. We went to China Poot. Limited out several times to China Poot. And I just kind of glass over that. And I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity we get and how far we've come to where we like, this is what we do. Yeah. You know, it's not a big deal, but it doesn't feel like a big deal, but it's really a huge thing for me, my family, things like that for us to be able to go and do that and just be like, yeah, another day in Another day in the neighborhood. And I think that's a really good way to present it because it has, it has become our life where, you know, as soon as one trip or one adventure is done, we're looking forward. We're like, all right, what's the next, you know, what can we start planning now? What's on our checklist? What, you know, what's our highest priority right now? And so a lot of things kind of get not pushed aside or, you know, buried or covered up, but it's like, like you said, you know, the small things like, yeah, you're making a, you know, an anchorage run and instead of just pushing through and, you know, getting an Airbnb or hotel room for the night or something, exactly picking out a, you know, a campsite to go check out, see what it has to offer for, you know, like the way I see it is anytime I'm doing something like that, it's, you know, future logistics planning it's like okay i know this is here so this opens up this door or this possibility or something like that and you know you get you end up with an extra 30 days or so of camping whereas you know most people if they're lucky to get to spend 30 days doing whatever they enjoy um and nonetheless being out in the wilderness and getting to be you know grounded with whatever they're doing out there um, those for us at this point, a lot of times just get kind of tossed in the side bin. That's just, it, it becomes habit. It becomes routine. It's just, you know, it's like brushing your teeth, set up your tent, sleeping pad, roll out your bag, or, you know, if you're car camping, whatever. Um, or even, you know, like our fishing trips, it's like, okay, we'll run over. We'll do a quick overnight or two day fishing trip over in China poop. Um, you know, you do that, you get done, you're like, all right, what are we planning for next weekend? Or, you know, what days do we need to take off to make this bear hunt happen and stuff to where, you know, you can be three months down the road and you're like, man, I feel like I didn't do anything. But in all reality, you did five trips and, you know, three, three fishing trips, a hiking trip and a bear hunt, uh, in the last two months. But you look back and you're like, you know, we didn't do anything because we didn't do any week-long trips. They were all three-day runs. Or, you know, we got one four-day in there, but one day was shitty weather. We didn't really get accomplished much. So, you know, it's the classic, you know, the goalposts are moving. Yeah. You know, where 
you know, I'm pleased with every every adventure we do, whether it's, you know, walking the dog down a trail that I'd never been down or it's, you know, climbing a mountain going after a species I've never, you know, killed. I enjoy them all, but as you do more, as you go farther, as you accomplish more, it's very, very easy. And I think it, everybody experiences it with whatever they do. Um, you know, you just kind of start taking it for granted yeah. or not appreciating it in the moment as much. Uh, and that's why, you know, stuff like this I really enjoy because it lets, it forces you to recognize what you're doing and forcing you to retroactively. How do I? I wanted to say this right, but. <laughs> Regardless, just retroactively makes you go back and break it down, appreciate it, and kind of slap yourself in the face for taking that stuff for granted. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, last year, which would have been the first year of the podcast, you know, we started what would have been late 2021, I believe. Um, You know, I was extremely blessed. I got to spend over 100 days hunting um in a year which is the most i've ever been able to do and almost all of it was backcountry backpack hunting uh got to do another probably 30 40 days of fishing i spent almost half my year doing things that i loved and cared about everything from you know 10 days out on adak island out in the lucians closer to japan than any other major american city um you and sam got an opportunity to go out there um i got to go out and work for an amazing outfitter out in the alaska range for 50 days chasing moose brown bear caribou doll sheep got the opportunity to go work for another outfitter chasing bears and goats out of cordova got to do black bear hunts with you we each got our first black bears um i mean just really got to do a ton and i just can't reiterate enough how like how thankful and grateful i am to do that but how excited i am to take more things for granted in the best way possible, you know, like I don't want to take anything for granted, but I want it to get to the point, you know, I'd love it to be where, you know, a seven day trip is a new weekend trip and, you know, doing just more remote, more, whatever it may be. Um, But it is really neat getting to just see how far we've progressed because we kind of both started this journey backpack hunting at the same point, you know, I had a little more experience in the backcountry up here just through our family business. We'll go to charters. I got to, uh, you know, I've been involved with that since I was 15 years old and getting to go to a lot of remote places in Alaska on the South Central Coastline, Kodiak, um, the Southern Peninsula, the Kenai Peninsula, Seward area, all that. Um, and got to spend a lot of time in the field, but not a lot of time for myself in the field, you know, catering to others, but finally decided to kind of take that jump and really just, you know, not look back and just fully dive into it. And I was blessed to have, you know, a hunting partner in yourself that was willing to put, you know, just as much, if not more effort into it than I was, which when you're doing this type of stuff, you, you know, really need, in my opinion, you know, you can do this stuff solo, but, 
there's a point where you're got diminishing returns for the benefits of doing it solo. Um, some people do it out of necessity because they can't find somebody as uh, you know awesome as yourself as a hunting partner. Stop. Hey, you, <laughs> you. You sell yourself short with a lot of that stuff. You're, you know, without you out there, a lot of these, you know, trips it wouldn't happen because, you know, I, a lot of the shit we do takes two people. There's some <laughs> fucked off shit. <laughs> <laughs> We've done more fucked off shit this last year than, than I probably should have done. <laughs> Honestly, I never expected myself doing half the shit we did. Yep, and it's only the beginning. That's the cool thing because, you know... We we had a lot of lost time to make up for, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of people out here that are much better at the stuff we do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they've also been doing it since they were three years old. But at the same time, a lot of those people at this point have either changed directions in life or aren't as into it anymore or, you know, what have you. Or they're just as into it and just don't have the time. But we're both lucky enough to have significant amount of free time, the passion and drive to get after it, and kind of that still, it's still got that sparkle to it. Because a lot of the stuff we haven't accomplished yet. We've either gotten to be adjacent to it or involved with stuff. But, you know, like I've helped kill probably 40 plus black bears in my career so far and didn't get a kill one myself until this fall and so small things like that whereas a lot of people that have you know grown up here or hunted here a long time it's like ah just another black bear you know they don't they're just kind of a redheaded stepchild they don't get a lot of you know doesn't get their fizz going for them sure. whereas shoot i'll freaking shoot a grouse and get a heart on you oh, know what dude, i mean no, I don't, hey, <laughs> i'm stoked to shoot a grouse <laughs> yeah i shot that one not too long ago with a nine yeah. millimeter yeah Hard on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's been, I mean, it's been awesome. I'm trying to think of out of the last two years what my, like, I think getting your black bear this spring out of the last two years has probably been one of my. Oh, dude, that mo- was awesome. It was sweet because we just, you know, we'd finally, we've got, we got, a, you know, access to a boat. We were able, it opened a lot of doors for us. Um, you know, at that point, neither of us had personally harvested, uh, a black bear and, you know, we set the goal for this spring to get you a bear got over, you know, we took, you know, as soon as we could get hunting, we went hunting, you know, it was mid April, real early. early. Exactly. So much snow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And just to get to, you know, to spot a bear that, that was still day one, right? It was the first day of that hunt or second day? The evening of the first day, I believe. I think the it, only one we had seen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the evening of day one. Yeah. Uh, which was awesome. You always love to see success early in a hunt. That's oh, just, yeah. you know, you go out there with a mission. It's cool to check the box day one. Yeah. Um, but to just, you know, see you spot the bear, get juiced about it. We make a game plan, you know situate the boat and just and that's the other thing that i enjoy we've added more wrinkles into every adventure you know a lot of it is mandatory for this hunt you have to have a boat to access the area we're going to and with that you have to be able to one 
use a boat. Yeah, logistically take a boat somewhere you're not used to taking it. Exactly. And uh, drive said fucking boat. <laughs> yeah, you have to be able to navigate. You have to be able to understand the tidal flows here in Alaska, which are ridiculous. Um, you have to have multiple ways to moor an anchor. You have to be comfortable enough to leave a boat for... X amount of days, three, four, five, six, seven days at a time, and just trust that you did your job and trust the weather holds and trust your capabilities and pray to God that boat's still there when you get back. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think that hunt was, I mean, getting that shot on film, seeing you execute a perfect shot, uh, and just getting to see, you know, you get amped up, you get stoked. Stuff, you know, getting the bear in the bag, getting back to camp, and just, you know, from A to Z, I think that was probably my biggest highlight of it all, because it was the first animal we'd gotten to take together on a trip. We'd both, you know, killed plenty of stuff solo or with different groups and whatnot, but for it to be the first animal, kind of for the podcast that we'd taken together, your first bear, um... Uh, just everything about it was just super awesome. You know, it was one of those that it fully came together. Everything worked out. You know, it wasn't ideal conditions. It wasn't, you know, not everything was perfect, but everything that was in our control, we knocked out of the park, executed exactly how we planned, um, and, you know, got to got to share that whole experience with the audience, you know, from leading up to it, you know, explaining the gear we're taking, explaining, you know, how we're going to accomplish it, then going and accomplishing it, and then being able to come back and, you know, share the spoils with y'all and chew the fat, drink a beer, share the story, firsthand account while it's still fresh in the mind and everything. It was just like how it's supposed to go, uh, which was, uh, that was awesome. I just love when that things awesome. work out. It's, it turned out to be, perfect it turned out to be a perfect hunt at a perfect time of year and all the stars aligned and we were there and managed to execute the mission nope. you know no and it's cool because and it's just i don't know that's the thing about alaska there's so many things you can do and things still not work out like as we sit here and record this our original plan was to be up in goat country right now mm-hmm. chasing billies and trying to put a billy down but it's a registration hunt. The season's in November. It's Alaska. It's wintertime. <laughs> we were under a winter weather advisory for the last two days. Yeah. So we were facing large snowfall, high winds. Sean tweaked his back at work. It was just, it was a, one of those where kind of everything went wrong. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, we're at the point where we are blessed enough to do enough stuff to where when it's like, all right. We'll table this one. Hopefully next year we'll get out in goat country again and go chase a goat, go put a goat on the ground. But there's no need. We've gotten to do trips this year. We've gotten to get a lot done. There's no reason for us to go put both of us in danger, especially if you're not, you know, 100%. You're nursing a hard back, and we're going to be facing definitely not ideal weather conditions. One getting a boat across in, you know, 40 knot winds, 
Not ideal, especially in winter conditions where you're going to have freezing spray. Well, 40 knot winds in any boat. <laughs> yeah. Let alone the skiff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, exactly, then, I mean, we're going to be snowshoeing, full crampons, ice axe, just to get into the terrain. And then you're camping in winter storm advisory conditions, you know. It just, there's no need for it. And luckily enough, we're get the opportunities that we do to where we can table that and it's not the end of the world. And, you know, it wasn't going to cost us a dime to do it. So we're not left, you know, holding a bag or holding a $15,000, you know, L off of a guided trip that falls through or something like that. So It's hard to follow that up. (laughs) Me rambling? What? one (laughs) One of my favorite trips, one of... I have several that I can list off. Was ice fishing at uh, Upper Summit Lake? Yeah, I fucking loved that. That was an amazing trip. That, that was, was a blast, dude. That was the most fun I've had fishing. Period. Whether it's ice fishing or not, that was the most fun I had fishing, just in general. That was because that was. I'm trying to think, I want to say that was my first true like ice camping experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine too. I'm trying to. I think I might have had one other trip, but regardless, this was the this was the longest ice camping trip. You know, never really done it before. We have the equipment to do it, but it was one of those like we were like, "Hey, this lake has a fish we want to, you know, go after. We've never fished it before. Let's go check it out." We loaded up the Subaru with all our equipment, went up there, and then what it was three days, two nights we spent out there. Yep, yep, and we you know just ice hut. Took our gear, set up camp, got to live on the ice for three days, got to catch your personal best rainbow yeah, out of the ice, which was, cool. awesome. was awesome. Stud at what was it, twenty four yeah. something like that? Twenty four inch rainbow out of the ice, which was a toad any time of the year, and especially when you can pull it through the ice out which, of a lake. Yeah, yeah, and that was Was that on your that was your birthday weekend, right? Yep, that yep. was my birthday. I was trying to think that I was like, I'm pretty sure, but I was like, your birthday's June, but I was like, yeah, there's still plenty of snow that time yeah, of the year. It was my birthday, and that was so cool. Getting to sleep on the ice, spend the night on the ice, fish all day long, all night long, and trying different lures, different setups, all that shit, putting light in the ice and things like that. It was truly one of the best fishing experiences that I've I've had. I'd, you know. I'd agree. I've gotten, I've been super blessed, gotten to fish species all over the United States, Mexico, Hawaii, everything from sturgeon to marlin to grouper to, you know, all kinds of stuff. But I would agree. Just the full experience yep, of that. The experience as a whole. Like the fish, probably, I mean, it was awesome fucking fishing. Well, one fish at least. <laughs> the rest of it, subpar fishing. But the experience as a whole, I wouldn't trade it for anything. That was just fucking phenomenal. Oh, Just yeah. fucking awesome. And we had gorgeous weather. I mean, you get to go out in the pitch black in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a mountain pass. Everything's covered in snow, mm-hmm. full moon, illuminating everything. And then, you know, we had the whole lake to ourselves. Yeah. I think it was finally like day three. Some day fishermen came out and mm-hmm. came and fished. But just getting to... Getting to really, like, soak it in and settle in. Because, like, that was always my thing with ice fishing. 
uh, when I was going to college in the Midwest, got to do a little bit of it, and it never really, it never got me going. Like, I enjoyed it when we were doing it, mainly for the company, the people I was sure. with. Yeah. I love fishing. I'm never going to, you know, I love doing that stuff, but it was just, it was always a lot of work, really shitty conditions to fish for, you know, a handful of hours just to break everything down, head out, take care of all the gear. It just... The juice wasn't worth the squeeze for me. Mm-hmm. But then when we did that trip where, you know, we were like, all right, this is what we're doing for the weekend. We're parking the car. We're living on the ice. You know, we've got our food. We've got, you know, our water. Go, you know. And making it more of an experience versus, like, because our goal, our goal was to catch fish. Yeah, we had a mission. But there's so much, like... That's just the whole backcountry aspect to me, no matter what you're doing. And that's the cool thing, getting to wrap, like, ice fishing into it because there's so many other variables. Number one, you got to stay alive. you got to keep yourself fed. you got to keep water Don't in die you. die of hypoxia. Yeah, exactly. You got Yeah, there's tons of things that can go wrong. Not that it's overly dangerous. Not trying to freaking make it sound like we're heroes over here or nothing. But it's just... It's different than just going out on a nice clear day, cutting a hole in the ice, fishing for four hours, heading back home. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to go out there. You got to live. You got to figure out how to stay warm at night in 10 degree weather. You got to figure out how to keep stuff from freezing. You got to figure out how to conserve fuel. You got to figure out all that stuff on top of trying to catch the fisher after. And that was, yeah, by far one of the neatest neatest fishing experience i gotten to do and probably up there behind your black bear is probably my number two experience that yeah. we got just it was different you know i and that's that's the it thing i'm different. exact i i love doing things i've never done before yeah usually means i'm bad at it which i also hate being bad at things you're fucking worse <laughs> than being bad at things. <laughs> i fucking hate it i'm good at a lot of things so i hate when i'm bad at something yeah. But no, that was it was kick ass, and I'm super excited for this year because, you know, the girls are super interested in it. They love ice fishing. We all have more time this year than we have in the past. Uh, we've got better equipment this year. You know, you've got amazing ice fishing gear. Uh, I got a new Garmin ice fishing setup, so we'll have new, nice, you know, top of the line electronics to dabble with this year. And, you know, we just, we've got big plans for this ice season. You know, we, like you mentioned, we got to do some fish in the summer, but not as much as we normally do. Um, cause we were wrapped up with doing other stuff, but this winter, like above all, I'm excited to get on the water. I'm excited to get Jordan back on the water and I'm excited to do some, you know, extended trips. Yeah. Whether we take like a hot hut or something and stay on the bank and sleep in the bank and go out every day to our holes, to the hut, or what happens. Because, you know, overflow is a deal and you can only fit so many people in the tent and things like that. Mm-hmm. Taking like a hot hut and hot camping or something like that, that's a game changer for sure. Oh, yeah. Especially just equipment's come so far. The yeah. technology, I mean, there's no excuse anymore. You can glamp with a backpack nowadays, yeah. which is kick-ass makes it a lot easier for people to get out which is an awesome thing also adds more pressure people have their opinions about that but i freaking i love it it's just the world's your oyster and you can do so much especially up here it's insane it is 
It's definitely one of my favorite experiences by far. Yeah. Just because it's different. You know, I've never done it before, never experienced it, and it went surprisingly well. Yeah. That's like another one that ranks up there for me just because it was something that was, you know, new and different to me was our uh, turning it or our freaking resurrection pass trip this year. Oh, that was my number three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it was, it was neat, you know, it's a long hike, it's a through hike, my first through hike I've done, um, it was just different, you know, this is the first time I'd done like a, a hiking trip with the intentions of hiking. Yeah, like, it never happens. <laughs> yeah, hiking is a means to get to where I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. Um, but it was it was really cool getting to uh, share that experience with the girls, even though they did it in the opposite direction. But getting to share camp with them, and getting to have that mutual experience, but from different points of view, and uh, you know they had their whole own experience. We had our experience with it, but getting to you know spend a night with them and then talk about it afterwards, and getting to you know my. I was just, I was stoked to see them finish it, see them kick ass. Um, and then, you know, have, we did amazing. Like the whole thing was just an outright success and just getting to see everybody kind of get pushed a little bit, you know, push their boundary of comfort and, you know, boundary of pain, all kinds of stuff. It was cool. It was very cool. to. See. It sounds bad, but it was very cool for them to see them get fucked up. And come out with smiles on their face. Yeah. Oh, you know. all three of them. I mean, they look like they just walked barefoot through the Sahara Desert. <laughs> their feet were fucked up. Yeah. And to see all three of them just giggling, smiling ear to ear. Oh, my gosh. When we came in, just absolutely drenched fucking rats. Pissed off. Pissed. We just hiked eight miles of the fucking sideways rain to come up to them giggling in that fucking tent. <laughs> I was like, you motherfuckers. Yeah. Fucking. They're just comparing blisters and yeah. fucking smelling each other's farts, just having a grand <laughs> old time. Oh, man. That, that was fun. There was a lot of memorable moments. That's for sure. And that's one of those things where we're like, yeah, we went and did that, came, saw, conquered, no big deal. You yep. know? Just another weekend. Oh, I loved it. That was awesome. And truly bivying the entire time, first for me. Yeah, likewise. It was it was cool, and that's that's where I'm getting most of my enjoyment from this stuff. It's just like testing different things, testing different methods. Bullshit! You're like, how can we make this fucking harder? <laughs> <laughs> What's one level of pain we could add to this? I'm a little bit of a masochist, <laughs> <laughs> and you know the fucking guys at work. <laughs> They're like, you guys are gonna go do fucking what? You guys truly. You hate yourselves? <laughs> what? Why? You guys can sleep in a cabin on the way there. Why? Why are you doing this? Do you hate yourself? Do you? Are you trying to sacrifice your own safety? <laughs> to the go answer hiking? is yes. Yes, I want to <laughs> go and I want to do this and I want to push myself. I want to go do this and see what I'm capable of doing. And for some people, it is just fucking beyond them. But I'm. I'm glad I found someone who's willing to go do some dumb shit with me. <laughs> Likewise. And, oh, man. And it, I think it's, you know, it's a blessing and a curse that we met each other and we took the path we did because we put each other through a lot of bullshit. But it's really good that the other's there because uh, we put ourselves in some fucked off situations. And, you know, you've had to talk me off of ledges. I've had to talk you off of ledges. We, you know, but... All in all, it's all for the greater good. And we, you know, 
by no means follow each other's, you know, ideas or way of doing thing to a T. We've each got our own unique way of going about things. We've got our own unique ways of, you know, seeing the world, our own perspectives on situations. And, you know, that's what I think every, you know, hunting team or, you know, hunting partnership needs is, you know, a yin and yang, you know, a checks and balance system. Because when you're out there, it's, you know, it's serious. It's easy to think that you're always safe, one button, and you'll be, you know, you'll be home, stuff like that. But not always the case up that here. That one button's hours away. Yeah. And are you going to make it that long? Mm-hmm. And even if, a lot of it for me, too, is just having the peace of mind of somebody I trust. God forbid I am in the most perilous situation of my life. You know, I am on death's door or, you know, worse, you know, on my way to meet the big man. But just knowing that I'll have someone in my corner that's going to be there till the last breath type of deal, you know, it gives me a lot of comfort and security knowing that that's there, knowing that I can attempt and go for the things I want to do and knowing I've got somebody that's going to be like, all right, I guess that's what we're doing. Let's fucking do it. Let's fucking load up. Like, exactly. And let's not just do it. Let's do it right. Let's kick ass. Let's get after it. And let's, let's beat the situation. And, you know, I'm over the moon grateful for that because without somebody like that, it really limits you and just limits your confidence. There's so much stuff that I'm like, I could do this. But uh, I bounce the ID off you, and you're like, hell yeah, fuck yeah, why not? I'm like, okay, yeah, it makes sense to him, too. It's gotta, it can't be that shitty of an idea, you know what I mean? Like, so, oh, no, it's been a freaking, it's been a wild ride, and it's only going to get crazier, you know? Holy shit, I'll never forget those old ladies walking, they weren't old, they were old. Uh, <laughs> they both had gray hair, they are old enough. Coming down the trail. And looking at us, just just waking up, <laughs> sitting up in our fucking baby sacks, going, "Oh goodness, we know there's people. You guys slept in this last night?" And you're like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did." And you're like, "Oh my gosh, all right, there's a hot cabin over there." You're like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget the look on their face of just absolute shock and horror <laughs> that we slept in the sack last night <laughs> yeah through that freaking torrential downpour mm-hmm. and windstorm but like that's what it's all about and like for me personally to the point like you know i slept like a baby that night i was having oh, a freaking yeah, time of my awesome. life <laughs> and you know there's enjoyment in just that getting to see you know that you're you're pushing yourself unnecessarily not in a way that's necessarily going to put you in danger. It might drop your safety factor for sure. Yeah, risk, <laughs> <Yeah>. reward. <laughs> exactly. Just getting to see, you know, those interactions. One, I love interacting with anybody on the trail. We got to, you know, meet several groups and chew the fat, hear where they're from, what their goals are, stuff like that. But getting to, you know, getting to put a smile on somebody's face through our sheer will and stupidity to put ourselves through stuff <laughs> could it be an easy hike definitely can older people do it yes can we make it as hard as fucking possible yes it <laughs> can. <laughs> like, we're just walking in the woods we get to make it as harder <laughs> yeah oh man doing it the hard way always feels better doing it the hard way no and like 
we're at the point in our life where we can. And yeah. I almost feel that it's our duty to do it to some extent because, you know, we've got significant others, but we don't have any kids yet. We don't have that because that's one thing I've picked up from a lot of people uh, that are, you know, lifers in the backcountry and stuff. They're like, you know, your your perspective will change a lot once you have kids running around because all of a sudden, like, our moose hunt, uh, our last moose hunt of this season, where, you know, we were doing everything we could to try and retrieve the skiff in low light, high seas, trying to get back across so we can make it to work the next day. Um, and, you know, to my... I'm blanking on the word I'm looking for, but pretty much to my poor decision-making, um, I was trying to force the situation and consequently put us both in harm's way. Luckily, both of us were just fine by the end of it. We decided to pop smoke and just weather the night and then go across in the morning. We were able to contact work, no big deal. But situations like that where if I have three kids waiting for me at home and I have the, you know, I have the duty and responsibility to put them before anything else, something like that probably wouldn't have even been a thought to me to attempt something like that. But having kind of that freedom and the liberty of not having those concerns and pushing yourself to know your boundaries and your limits and what you can accomplish, what you can't, or what's not worth attempting, what is worth attempting for, you know, I guess the purpose of just the general knowledge and the ability to pass that to somebody else. Um, but being able to take advantage of that while we can and take advantage of as much time in the woods as we can while we have that free time has been, has definitely been a blessing. And I'm, I'm really interested to see that next chapter once we both, you know, start having kids, which, you know, for both of us, you know, still feels like a lifetime away, but it's not. It's not. <laughs> which Fox is, ticking. yeah, which is terrifying. I'm over the moon excited to be a dad here in the future. Uh, but it does mean a lifestyle change. It does mean, you know, a change of pace. It does mean I might not be able to do everything I want. But it also means I get to experience all these same feelings with a future kid. Absolutely. That, you know, I can only imagine how proud it'll make me when I get to see my kid run up a mountain and kill their first bear or their first goat or their first moose or their first sheep, catch their first fish, swim for the first time, camp for the first time, stuff like that. I don't know where I started with this, but I... You're going to make me cry. <laughs> it's emotional. I was over here thinking about trying to abuse my youthful body. <laughs> just like, I can't... I scared I'm going to see a kid fish. <laughs> oh. No, I'm for sure going to have a drama and debate kid for sure. <laughs> a beautiful thing. I'll be a fat hell. <laughs> Oh, uh, I don't even want to talk about. That. <laughs> oh man, well, we're getting there on the freaking clock. Any last things you want to touch on? Abuse your youthful body, because I've talked to. I've been in the trades for a little while, not a long time by any fucking stretch of the imagination, but for you know, ever since I graduated high school, before I graduated school, I've been doing trades my whole life. Talked to a lot of old guys. And they all say the same thing. 
Take care of your body, but it's a trade. You're trading your body for money and time. And how much is your time worth? No. Abuse your youthful body for money or time and experience. And I'm all about trading my body for a great experience. No. And you only have your youthful body for so long. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great point. You know, what's a what's the old saying? Uh uh youth is youth is wasted on the young yep. or something like that. Just don't don't let it be a waste. Take advantage of it. You know, I for example, I've put in my body, you know, run hard, put away wet. I had four or five surgeries before the you know, before I was twenty two years old from sports. I've, you know, definitely tacked on more miles and more hours on my ticker than you know, most people in the back country and abuse my body and I know I'll pay for it later in life. But knowing that I have the ability, the physical ability, the, you know, ability with my free time to take advantage of it, do it while you can, because you're not going to be able to do it for forever. Like, you know, great example, my uncle Greg, uh, amazing dude, got me into the outdoors, uh, him and my dad both. Um, but my uncle never had kids. So I was always kind of his hunting and fishing partner. And one of his dreams was to always go mountain goat hunting. I never got to while he lived in Alaska um, and then, you know, moved states. It's very hard to hunt goats elsewhere in the United States. You know, it's kind of a once in a lifetime draw. And if you're going to go guided, it's going to cost you a pretty penny. And that was always one of his dreams. And it's probably one of those that won't get filled. I'm going to do everything in my power to give him that opportunity. But as you age and, you know, health conditions and stuff, like it's just harder. It's a hard thing to do when you're, you know, you can be a professional athlete and it's going to be hard, but it's going to be real hard if you're, you know, 60, uh, say COPD or bad knee or bad back. Like don't make excuses now and pull yourself out of opportunities that you can take advantage of now. Cause life happens fast. You're going to have kids. You're going to get caught up with your career. You're going to get caught up with your significant others, life, their lifestyle, stuff like that. And you're going to look back and be disappointed that you didn't do the things you could while you could. And that's just a message for everybody out there. Do it while you can find somebody that'll do it with you. If you have no idea how to do it, go and learn. Just go out there and do it. We don't know half the shit we're doing. Not a chance. But we go out there and we learn firsthand. We get the equipment we need. We go out there. We do it. We figure out how to do it. Talk to somebody. Listen to somebody. Listen to us and like and subscribe. <laughs> <That's disgusting>. <laughs> <laughs> plug, 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 plug. <laughs> <laughs> but like, just don't let it, don't take any day for granted, man. These seltzers got me feeling some type of way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But anyways, guys, we appreciate y'all so much. We really do. You know, we don't burden you guys with any ads. All we ask is that you tell your sister, tell your brother, tell your mother. Yeah, uncle, your auntie, your mama, your granny. They're coming for you. They're raping people. No, I'm just hide your kids. Hide your wife. But... No, we really appreciate y'all. All we ask is to help us spread our word so we can help y'all more in the future. 
Um, you know, we do this all out of the kindness of our heart and just our passion for sharing our stories. Um, so if you guys can help us facilitate that the best we can, we really appreciate it. It doesn't cost you a dime. All you got to do is pause this episode right now. Go to whatever listening site you're on and leave a little review, leave a comment, answer a poll down in the bottom. Just help us be more active with y'all. And like we said, we want to get more engaged with y'all outside of the podcast. We'd love to do trips with you guys. If y'all are interested, you know, we can't make everything happen. We don't have unlimited time or unlimited funds, but if we can make it happen, we will. If y'all want to go ice fishing, let us know. We'll try and make something happen. If y'all want to go camping, y'all want to go hunting, let us know. We'll try and make something happen. And if we can't make something happen in the field, we'll make it happen on an episode or through a phone call. Like we do this for you guys. We do it for ourselves to keep us busy in these dreary winters. And, but above all, we do it for you guys. So, uh, take full advantage of it. Um, and yeah, just help us keep helping y'all. Anything else there? Dude, fucking phenomenal. <laughs> Quite the linguist. Well, you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. We're so excited to be at this point with y'all. Thank y'all so much for letting us hit this milestone. And until next time, stay active, stay free. Stay frosty. Hell yeah. Get hard! (laughs) 